Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It is finally great to be back on the show where we get to talk about a Bears win. We get to talk about some positive stuff. No, we don't have to go through two hours of a therapy session this week. <laughs> this week, we actually get to talk about the game instead of just being like, ah, oh, crap again this week. We are joined by Tony and Adam, and it is just, I don't know, we were talking about this kind of off air before. It was nice to get the win on Thursday and enjoy the weekend. So much so, Tony has a really interesting drink that he's been having today to kind of keep up the energy since the win last week. Tony, let let everybody know what you are drinking today. (laughs) So obviously, you know, the excitement of winning a game has obviously got to me this week and I'm feeling a bit run down. So, um, and incidentally, guys, these are not our new show sponsor. This is just a wee bit. So this is, this is (laughs) Moose Juice, okay? Aspartame free as well. Oh, you don't need any of that shite in it, so that's always that's good. Positive. Um, however, the way that I'm feeling, and uh, no, you cracked the joke earlier. I might as well be drinking fluss juice because I'm feeling pretty good about how the, the pairs have been in the last uh, kind of 120 minutes of football. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a great week. It's lovely to get a win. It's lovely to see everybody fucking smiling for a change for um, once. Yeah. Yeah, for, for once. Hopefully not for once. Hopefully, hopefully we're gonna we're gonna get this consecutive sort of run going, but we'll wait and see. But yeah, I'm delighted to be here and the mischief is kicking in, which is always good. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it is it's great to kind of get to dissect this because it was good to kind of feel that high of Thursday night, enjoy it on Friday, but then kind of be relaxed when it hits Sunday and you not really have to really when you only have to worry about what your fantasy team is doing rather than your actual team, it's a good place to be. Um, Look, I think obviously a lot of Bears fans are will always look ahead of what the Bears are going to do, then kind of look at what do the Panthers do. It was a pretty perfect weekend for the Bears where they get to win their game and the offense looks good um, in that Thursday night football game. But then also the Carolina Panthers still look like the worst team in football. So that is a good spot for the Bears to be in. But we're going to start the show by kind of looking back at Thursday night because there was a lot of questions going in. We saw some good things on offense against the Denver Broncos and people were asking, well, would they be able to continue that? Because they ended the Broncos game in a, in a tough situation. No, we were here last week talking about it might be a little bit different now while the commanders ranked in terms of quite poorly in terms of I guess the secondary but we did talk about the front seven is it's a ferocious front seven and they put a lot of pressure on a lot of good teams you only have to look at the week before the Bears when the Eagles had to come back at the very end to win that football game but then you look at what the Bears were able to do and it seemed like almost every drive on offense was going how we would want it to You see DJ Moore kind of breaking records in terms of his performance, getting eight receptions for 230 yards and three touchdowns. Wasn't far away from a one-game performance in terms of yards, but we talk about him getting those three touchdowns. Really, really good performance from him. But then even if you think back in the game, he probably got robbed of a touchdown from the referees. And then Justin missed the throw that, could have easily in any other kind of scenario if he 
just gets that a little bit better. You're looking at DJ Moore getting five touchdowns in a, in a single game. No, we were talking about that's something that we wanted to see from him and Justin to see what people were saying in the offseason. We got to see it this past week. Yeah, I mean, obviously we talked about last week the, the first three quarters against Denver and how the offense seemed to be kind of rolling in that. And we were wondering, like, was this a once-off or or is this something maybe that's the start of something going forward? And we wondered if, because obviously look, we've given Getsy a, a lot of abuse over the last few months in terms of, well, not abuse, but, you know, we, we've questioned a lot of his play calls and, and things that's kind of happened on the offense. So we hoped this was the, the kind of the start of something different. And they answered us in the very first play of the game against the Commanders. First off, they chose to receive the ball, which is, is very unusual these days. Normally teams defer, and but they, they really seemed to be up for it and they wanted to get straight into it. The first play was obviously that long one for, for Mooney, which just didn't quite connect. But they kind of set out to saw from the start that, you know, this is we're going to continue from last week. And I was delighted. I, I absolutely loved that first play. And from there then, I mean, the offense looked phenomenal. I mean, everything just seemed to work. I think a big, big part of it is that O-line. They got, you know, Tevin Jenkins came back and always on the snap count. But I think Nate Davis was that little bit more kind of game fit, you know, after missing, you know, a few weeks there at the start of the season. I mean, obviously Darnell Wright has a bit more, you know, snaps under his belt. And they really did seem to kind of come together. And they, they I thought the offensive line did a really, really good job to kind of help that offense do what they wanted to do. I mean, Larry Barham got beat a couple of times. But look, he's up against Chase Young and he, he wasn't expecting mm-hmm. to be a left tackle there a couple of weeks ago. And he's kind of been thrown in. But he did some good things as well as that. I mean, Cody Whitehair maybe needs to work on the snaps a bit. But overall, like, this offense, it, it looks like finally maybe they do have a plan. Maybe it did just take a few weeks to kind of get the rhythm going and get into it and get players acclimatized to what they want them to do. So hopefully that's it. I mean, hopefully those those kind of weeks where we're just not sure what they're doing and we're, we're, we're looking at, you know, 13 points, 10 points are, are kind of behind us. And maybe they, they kind of have now the plan in place for the way they want to go forward with this offense because you talk about DJ Moore. I mean, what a performance. 230 yards, is it? For three touchdowns. Was it three? Yeah. Yeah, three touchdowns. I mean, and the main part of it all, Justin Fields again. I mean, his his good game seemed to spark more controversy about whether or not he should be traded because he's playing well. I mean, come on. It's a joke. Do we, do we not want our quarterback to play like that? And if he does play like that, why is the first thing people talk about is is trading him? It, I, mean, I, I, I said this um, the, the next day when I saw loads of people talking about this, and Adam, we kind of spoke about this in our own group chat, where it's it's it just I can't comprehend when a player has a performance like Justin did, where he was very, very good and pretty much what you would ex- want from kind of a young guy coming in here. And then the fact that people then talk about, oh, now you sell high on this. We, like, we talk about this all the time, that if you have a guy that you can, you've seen over the last two weeks growth from, I don't understand why some people want to then say, oh, you sell high. Like The whole point of this is to try and kind of build your team and obviously to develop your quarterback. This has been like the topic of conversation 
for the entire season how to develop a quarterback. And I think the assumption that the Bears are just going to have this number one overall pick and Caleb Williams is going to be the superstar blinds a lot of people that when Justin Fields does have an impressive performance, that still a lot of the talk is about trying to move on when really I think the clear message should be the easiest way for the Bears to get better by having two top picks is actually that your quarterback right now develops so that you can actually build the team rather than having to reset again at quarterback. I think Brendan, he made a point right there in the chat too. Quarterbacks do not get traded during the season anyway. This ain't fantasy football. I think a lot of people now have gotten into that, you know, fantasy football Madden where, you know, oh, he's his value is high. It's never going to get better. And at the end of the day, I guess it's better now that the value is high because he's doing well. So now it's talks of that versus, oh, he sucks. They can trade him for a third and Desmond Ritter. Like at least now his value is going up. So it's it's for good yeah. reasons, not bad reasons. But I, I think that's kind of to the whole thing of, of course, there's value in having discussions. If someone's going to knock your socks off with a great deal, you'd be an idiot to hang up. But also to just assume that you're getting the number one and you're getting Caleb Williams and getting this and that by moving him. There's so many moving parts that are getting ignored. And I always say nuance is dead. That's a prime example where there's so much nuance to the Bears getting that number one pick. Look how we got the number one pick last year. We fell ass backwards into it, but we got it. Mm -hmm. So there, it's no guarantee. You never know what's going to happen. Um, and it, it's just wild how quickly it goes from, oh, he's washed, trade him for whatever you can get to, oh, these two weeks are great. Look how sky high his value is. It's like he didn't go from a third to two first in two weeks. That's not how it is. That's not reality. But that's the way that the discussions seem like they are, where it's just like everything else. There's one extreme or the other. And there's there's so much in the middle that you're kind of ignoring, especially like I said, I would listen. But, man, it would take a whole lot if you're murdering the locker room's morale like that, because they all seem to be Team Justin. And I'm sure they'd all be Team Caleb, too. But they all seem to be, you know, ride or die for number one. And that that would really suck. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I like, we all talk about, like, obviously, the people are kind of focusing in on the Panthers pick and stuff, but there is the possibility that towards the end of the season, Bryce Young sees development. They win a couple of games, right? I think this is why over the last two weeks, you know, we spoke about really the whole plan always has to be like, if the Bears didn't have the number one pick, what would you want to do? And it's good. And Tony, this is where I wanted to bring you in. It's good that we're seeing some development over the last two weeks because we've always said, and even in the offseason, we said it, even if the Bears didn't win a whole lot of games, having two first-round picks is always good. You look at the, the last couple of teams that have been able to do it. You look at the Jets, you look at the Detroit Lions, and you look at the Miami Dolphins. They were able to kind of build their teams by having multiple years of multiple first-round picks. Now, when you see Justin improve his performance over the last two weeks really the best thing could be is he just continues to build on that because if we were solely looking at the first five games of the season and we didn't look at kind of what was happening within the games we're looking at a guy that has over a thousand yards passing you're looking at a guy that has 11 touchdowns to five interceptions now we spoke about that at the beginning of the season we've been saying oh that's great but we know the context of those games a poor start to the season and then you've the Denver game and the commanders game. But when we look at this moving forward, there are some more games where you can see he could build on that and continue stacking those types of games. And 
as a Bears fan, what we saw on Thursday night should be what we want to see from Justin, even if it's not the same statistics, but I guess the same game plan and how he performs and how he operates in the pocket and when it breaks down, throwing that ball away and trusting the guys on offense that you know can make plays. Yeah, I mean, as if people are seeing in the chat, I mean, what we want, the ideal scenario is that Justin Fields, you know, works out and, and gets it right. And that means that we can then go into the draft next year. And, you know, the likelihood is we're probably not going to win a shit ton of games over the next few weeks. Um, you know, I think at the moment you, you're, you're likely, you know, five, six, seven games, maybe. Depending on how things kind of pan out, the defense is, is is clearly an issue. But either way, you're looking at certainly probably two top ten picks the way things are, are going at the moment. Um, and if you've got your starting quarterback and your guy in place, then it means that you can go out there and you can pick up a, another starting wide receiver. There's nothing to say that you can't have um, a Marvin Harrison in there to play alongside DJ Moore. Why not have two excellent wide receivers? as opposed to one and then everyone else. Um, you know, picking up your uh, tack left tackle of the future, if you don't think Braxton Jones is going to be that guy, beefing up that defensive line, maybe you find your three-tech somewhere. So it's hugely important to to be able to build around. And um, and the question that the the brass and, and the bears will, will have is, is Justin Fields their guy? You know, and I think that's, that's what it will boil down to. Because um, they might see progression they might see him play better is it going to be enough for them i mean that's only a question that they can answer all we can do is is watch and hope that you know you get the same sort of play that we've seen from fields over the last two weeks what were you like 700 yards passing eight touchdowns one interception 120 something passer rating whatever it was you know like it's all very very good it looks great um and um, and yeah, that's fine. You don't want to go back to those first three games, even though when you talk, if you look at the Denver game, though, for instance, I mean that that second half, the the, the Denver defense did make changes and alterations to their scheme, and we saw that the Fields did kind of struggle in the second half a wee bit more than he did in the first half. Um, so you want to see how he reacts to that, you know, when he's had that situation, and and you're right. I mean, it is it's far too early in the season for any rash decisions um you know whether that's benching anybody you know but the where that all came from in my opinion um is is that you have to keep thinking well the bears were on a losing streak for 12 months and 14 games or whatever it was matt eberflus and his cronies are likely going to be a job at the end of the year so they need to then do something to, to show that they're trying to change something, need to do something to to shift the blame or whatever. And I think that's sort of what we've seen in the past is quarterbacks being dumped and they get the blame and all that kind of stuff. So it's just a natural kind of progression, I think, to to, to kind of come to the conclusion that that might happen. Now, <laughs> at the moment, we're all riding a bit of a high based off of the last couple of weeks. And what I will say is it's great, it's exciting, but until I see it, be continuous. I can't get too excited just yet. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I can't say from the corner yet. I can't say the days of scoring 10 points are in the past. They might not be. You know, like, we had a couple of really good games and it was it was fantastic. But we have to make sure that that's continued. We have to go into the game against Minnesota on Sunday 
and we have to we have to stack impressive displays. Hey, even if we don't win, for instance, but the offense looks great, and it's just so that you know the defense didn't. You know that for me is going to be a good game. Obviously, I love mm-hmm. to get a win, but for me, if we can go out there and score another thirty odd points, again, we've seen that last year where we were scoring thirty points in consecutive games. We weren't necessarily winning all of the games, but we took that as a good progression. Um, so yeah, I, I would like to. I'd like to see that kind of happen moving forward. Um, it'll be interesting to see if if they can stack things together, and it's also interesting to see the sort of change in fans' opinions on even the coaching staff after just a couple of games as well. You know, mm-hmm. Adam, you talked about how can you go from being a guy who could be traded for a third to a guy who completely betrayed it for the first two weeks later. Well, how can you go from a coaching staff that were the worst set of coaches that have ever coached for the Bears and look, guess he doesn't know what he's doing to people going, do you know what, actually, they called quite a good game and they've got the team going <laughs> in the right direction and all this kind of... And it, it's just it's crazy how week to week this sort of sport is, but equally how week to week the fan opinion can be on major things like that as well. Um, so yeah, I just I, I just think it's a really interesting thing to look at, um, and I'm curious to see. I just I just want to get to Sunday to see if yeah. it's still there. You know, I've just got this horrible, horrible feeling that we're going to get to Sunday and we're just going to be sitting depressed next Monday, going ah, back to the therapy guys. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, like, well, that's Tony. I I feel like. I feel like that's part of why there's such visceral reactions because that worry, like I'm going to end up back on the couch next week because the second half last year, Justin Fields looked like the guy and people were starting to buy in, not just locally, but nationally. And then they came out these first couple weeks this, this season. And, you know, people had, were, were high on Getsy after that. He learned how to work with the offense, work with the pieces, just wait till they get some talent in the room. And then they came out and they let out a wet fart to start the season. And it was terrible. And, and everybody who bought in was like, shit, this is the same old bears. And it, you know, you've seen it on Twitter, seeing it in chats, seeing it everywhere. Everyone believed like, man, we're back. We're, we're, we're down again and it can't get worse. And it got worse and worse each week sequentially. And then now we're to this point where these two weeks, it looks like what we bought into last year. So that, you know, that back and forth reaction, it's like, we were so high going into this season and just got punched in the mouth by our all time, you know, rival trash talking and football, everything. You know, it means so much more that like that organization and they just absolutely gobsmacked us. And then t- the following two weeks, there was not much improvement. So, you know, the reactions definitely make sense. But it's one of those things where you just hope that, like you said, you want to see it consistently. I want to see that entire second half bears from last year, the rest of this year. Now, I don't want to see them going back to weeks one, two and three where it's, oh, well, maybe Luke's learning how to recall the offense. Like, no, you got some dudes in there like. Go make it happen. Go put up 30 a game and let the defense blow it every time. Let it happen. Just let it happen. Yeah, and one of the things that I do like, and it's we kind of did say this prior to the Green Bay game, is that this offense, if it's not just going to click straight away because there aren't moving parts. There were a lot of new players. And I, it was the one thing that, even though we were all kind of excited for that Green Bay game, was the one thing I had at the back of my mind is what if it takes a couple of weeks for this offense to kind of properly gel as one? Because when you're 
when you're changing quite a lot in terms of the offensive line, obviously like Nate Davis and Darnell Wright were expected to come in and be new starters on this team. Tevin Jenkins then is out for the start of the season. There's loads of stuff happening with Nate Davis. Obviously everything that kind of surrounded Chase Claypool for those first couple of weeks of the season. But then you see last week in Denver, then you get Tevin Jenkins back. You get Nate Davis back probably to look at the end of the day, these guys are all healthy or all stay fit, but they always say there's a difference between game shape and being healthy and being fit. So we got to see Nate Davis play very, very well. I think one thing I've been really impressed with is Darnell Wright. Um, you bring in an offensive tackle that doesn't look like he's out of his depth, which we see this on a year-to-year basis that offensive tackles typically struggle early in their rookie season and start to kind of figure it out either towards the end of that year or in year two. And the fact that we're seeing what Darnell Wright was able to do is good news. Obviously, when you have a wide receiver like Darnell Mooney that was coming back off an injury, again, him trying to trust himself, I still don't think he's reached the performance level we as Bears fans expect from him from past performance. But now we're starting to finally see DJ Moore as part of the game plan, which he should have been. And from there, you're seeing Justin kind of trust himself a little bit more in the pocket and trust the protections a little bit more. And also just realize that give DJ a chance to make a play because he can do it. And we saw that even for the last touchdown. Right, like Justin was under a hell of a lot of pressure and he just laid it out there and just got over the defender and DJ Moore was able to make a play. And I think that's something that as a Bears fan, you can look at that as genuine growth of the offense where guys are starting to trust each other a little bit more where it's not so much like Justin can come up against the Minnesota Vikings defense and they might not trail for four touchdowns. There might be an interception here or there. But if you see the offense still clicking where you're still seeing guys and maybe they get three touchdowns, they still put up, let's say, two to 300 yards on offense. Like we have to remember in what was it from towards the end of the third quarter, the Bears didn't have a running back. So it does stop kind of what you can do because teams know they're probably not going to run the football because it's a fullback that's in there right now. So there are certain things that we can look at that over the course of the next few weeks, while it might not be the same gaudy numbers, when we actually review what the offense have done, we can say, no, they're still developing together and they're actually looking like an actual NFL offense, which it didn't look like those first couple of weeks. So that's what I kind of take away from it. And no, you mentioned it when we kind of started the show here. One of, one of the keys, I think, that really kind of set out that performance against that commander's defense because we were worried. We were worried about guys like Jonathan Allen, Duran Payne, and Chase Young, Sweat, all those guys that it's going to be hard for this offensive line to protect Justin and is this going to lead to more mistakes? For as good as Justin Fields played, for as good as DJ Moore played, I was incredibly impressed with how the offensive line played, considering you have a backup left tackle in there, considering that Tevin Jenkins was mixing in and out. Obviously, Lucas Patrick's gone halfway through the game, and you have Jatir Carter coming in. It was very impressive. I think Darnell Wright and 
Nate Davis and Tevin Jenkins were three of the outstanding performances um, on Thursday Night Football. And that was really good to see. And that's something we can take moving forward. If they can stay healthy and those particular players can still work together, it seemed like when they were there, they were giving Justin time. They were demolishing people in the run game early with Khalil. And I think that's something that Bears fans can hang their hats on them. This is something that you can use to kind of make this a springboard to continue this development on offense. Yeah, I mean, look, when you look at that line done, I mean, it wasn't just protecting Justin. They were opening up some really good holes. You saw Nate Davis and Darnell Wright getting for, getting into the, the next level and, and just knocking players out. It was, it was a really, really good performance. And it's probably the first time, or it's probably the most what we thought would be starters at the start of the season that were out there together. Uh, obviously, Tevin Jenkins was in and out a bit because he, he's only coming back from injury. But I think, sorry, I can't see it there now. It was mentioned in the, the comments there earlier. Like, Nate Davis and Darnell Wright on that right side of the line were phenomenal. Both of mm-hmm. them really, really good. I thought uh, I thought they were okay at centre. I think Patrick was in, then he did okay. And I think Whitehair did okay when he came in. It's, as we said, his snaps, you know, needed to be worked on. But that's, you know, Justin took care of that. <laughs> he made it easy. But, I mean, then you look at Jenkins came in. He done really well. And I thought Borum had a good job. So, it is so important. If you can get that line working then everything else can can develop off that. As you say, it gives Justin Fields more time. He's showing now that he, you know, people who question whether or not he can throw from the pocket, yes, he can throw from the pocket. You know, he isn't just a running back, a quarterback. He has an arm that most quarterbacks in the, in the NFL would be jealous of. And if you can just give him that time and give him the, the, the pocket that they did seem to give him, he can make those throws. Then they help in the run game. And for me, it's just an absolute positive when you look at this offensive line, the way they've been playing. And as as a Darnell Wright gets more snaps under his belt and, and more comfortable playing, as Nate Davis kind of gets more snaps as well and gets more game shape and, and Tevin Jenkins gets fit, you know, maybe this O-line is going to be, it may not be the best in the league, but it, it could be that kind of, you know, just good enough O-line to, to give Justin protection, to open up a few holes and to just give your offense that extra bit of a punch and I was I was really impressed with them and I'm actually looking forward to seeing as it goes forward and, and people get fitter and maybe people come back you know does that continue developing because as Tony said earlier you know it's great to see this but you can't be overly believing in it until you see it regularly you know and, yeah, that, that's and what it needs to continue basically yeah. like it needs to be a step it's a, by it's a step great process. start and it's, it's a positive, but it has to go forward until you can really, really hang your hat on it. You need to see, you know, two, three, four games where they're really kind of settled in and it's it's kind of competitive every week. Yeah, we One need thing to have I a, a on, on that. Sorry, Kieran, just two seconds. I don't, I don't, I don't know if no, you mentioned it because I'll get cut off there, but um, yeah, the offensive line, I, 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 I don't think you can underestimate how big Tevin Jenkins' return is there. Um, you know, having Nate Davis fully ready to play um, as well. Obviously, you know, it had a lot of distractions at the start of the year, but he seems to be back and and, and looks totally engaged. And I think having Cody White here, for all he had the terrible, terrible uh, snapping skills. Uh, and we've known this before now, that he can't snap the ball particularly well. But he held up a lot better um, both in the pass and and in the run as well. Um, I think that interior offensive line looks 10 times better. 
but you mentioned it just there. Um, no, Darnell Wright looks fantastic for a rookie right tackle. Um, and for me, when Braxton Jones comes back, um, I, I think you've got the makings of a good setup there. But one thing I will say is it wasn't even just the fact that we had certain players back on the offensive line and that they played better. The, the offense all just really complemented each other really well, to be honest with you, because and then the biggest thing for me was that Justin Fields, one, got the ball out of his hands a lot quicker than he had been before. You know, he was a lot of those throws were like 2.5 seconds, 2.6 seconds. They were getting out really quickly. His footwork was so much better as well. I don't know. You've, you've pro- everybody's probably watched all these millions of different guys that, that review tape or whatever, okay? And some of them know what they're talking about. And some of them don't. But some of them that are QBs look at it and they can see his footwork. And it is, and they talk about it, it, it did look a bit sort of lackadaisical. It was kind of slow and maybe a bit too laid back. But he seems to be moving his feet quicker. Um, he seemed to be planting them sl- slightly better than before. So all of that sort of like the technique and, and the growth of the quarterback and him getting the ball out a lot quicker is great. And his, the reason he can get the ball out quicker as well is that the, the wide receivers and the tight ends and the running backs are all running, which seem to be better routes. And is that because the play column's getting better? Do you know what I mean? So it's all complementing each other. It's all having the knock-on effect to each other. And it's eventually, you know, it seems to be sort of coming together. And I think that's is huge, you know. And and hopefully, as as the weeks go on, your offensive line, Justin feels a bit more like he can maybe stand in the pocket for half a second longer or a second longer, if required, because they can hold up a little better, better than they have before. And um, so, you know, it, it all looks like it's on an upward trajectory based on what we've seen certainly on Thursday. Um, but big props to that interior offensive line for me. I think they're going to make this team a lot better, and and I think it's going to give Justin a bit more confidence that he can hold on to the ball for a wee bit longer. But having that fear that he can't hold on to the ball forever as well is probably a good mix, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I think it's multifaceted how, how this offense has sort of come together. Don't know if you mentioned any of that. No, when I get cut off. When I was offline, but <laughs> apologies if I'm repeating it. No, what, what nice. I yeah, what I think is good is like when you look at this, like you said, Tony, it's the best type of football is complementary football. We say this between the different like offense, defense, special teams, but actually, even within just a, a unit, it is important to be able to do that. Like if the offensive line doesn't perform well, it stops. Justin or the wide receivers or they're running back from performing from performing well and it's the same if the offensive line looks really good but then Justin has a stinker like again it doesn't work quite as well you need everything working in unison and to what you said no I think the most important thing that we take from these last two weeks is we start to establish a baseline of what this offense is and not have such a big contrast between week one, week two, week three, and then week four and week five. Now we need to see in week six, in week seven, in week eight, even when it's different types of defenses that you'll come up against where they're strong and weak in different elements to it, that you can <clears throat> you can see this offense establish what the expectation should be on a week-by-week basis of it. 
And I think that's a really important step because like people will say, oh, the commanders or the Broncos aren't great defenses, but the Broncos, that's a that's a fair point. They've been pretty bad this year. But the commanders from seven is very, very good. And then the back end is not so good. But like when you look at the next three defenses, the Bears are going to come up against. Again, none of them are absolute elite defenses. When you look at the Vikings, the Raiders and the Chargers, we see the Chargers as this really, really good team, but they have struggled defensively in terms of the back end, very similar to what we saw from the commanders. Now, they're getting a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, which, again, we thought would happen this week when it comes to what the commanders were able to do. And they were able to put pressure on Justin. Like, was it one of the guys in the chat, Jake, said that, that you Chase Young had 11 pressures and the fact that the Bears were still able to establish the different elements of that offense was really, really good. And it was a sign that you can see this could improve. And look, when you have Larry Bourne there at left tackle, you ask him to be serviceable. He's a backup, right? Like, it's hard to have the same expectations on a backup left tackle as your starter. What you ask him to do is to do a job to do the best that he can and be serviceable to where you can still run that offense. And that's where it's going to be interesting, Tony. Like you said, when will Braxton Jones be able to come back? I hope it's soon because it would be nice to see the full unit that we were expecting to start the season actually be there. So that's where I think it, it it is interesting. But I think the most important part of this is what we saw the last two weeks is that stepping stone to figuring out what the baseline is and not have such a big variance in between how bad the offense looked in week one and week two. I'll give them a bit of a pass against the Chiefs. That's just a really, really good football team. But week one and week two versus week four and week five, we can't have such a wide gap in performance. You can have off weeks. You can have good weeks. But there needs to be certain certain things that you know what to expect from the offense. And I think that's something that we want to see be established over the course of the next couple of weeks. Because you're still not coming up against the top-tier defenses in the league. So there is like a genuine chance for this offense to take those steps forward and to make people more confident. Like in, if in those next three games, the offense looks good, well, then you're talking about a five-game streak of consistency on the offense, which is what we're asking for. Now, to kind of shift this onto the other side, because we have spoken a lot about the offense, the defense is a concern. I think particularly on the defensive line, because you see them getting some pressure and it seems like they just never finish or a quarterback just gets out. But there is a little bit of help coming this week. We were, we were told today that Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon and Eddie Jackson are all expected to be back for the Vikings. So Adam, I wanted to come to you on this. We look at what the defense performance was like. Some people are kind of resigned to the fact that it's just what this defense is, but, should we have better expectations for how they need to perform? Because with all the money that's gone into the linebackers, with even some of the young guys that performed well at corner, at safety, and then getting guys like Kyler back, Jalen back, is it up to now the coaching 
They need to try and get pressure in some way. You're slowly getting everybody back on defense to where you're having, like, it's hard to get everybody fully healthy in an NFL season. But if all those guys do come back, you've pretty much, you're starting defense there. So do you think that people should start putting expectation on this defense to perform better? Because when your offense puts you in a position to be 27-3 up and you almost give that away in the third quarter, like again, there needs to be, I guess, onus on the players, but also the coaching to not kind of give that back because the first half was good. The first half, we were talking about the defense as much as we were the offense, that they were getting off the field, they got an interception. There was pressure, even if they weren't finishing on in that defensive line. So do you think now it's it's really the onus both on the coaching staff and the players themselves to raise those performance levels and to show that they aren't one of the worst defenses in the league? I mean, I... Execution wise, you're going to expect the backside to be a lot better, a lot, I think, a lot less wide open gaps from the secondary. Because, like you said, they're in their final form. And this is probably going to be the first time we said it with the offense going into the weeks where it actually got good. This is probably going to be the first time that entire starting unit is going to practice together because Edwards and Edmonds didn't really practice this offseason with the defense either. And then you saw how absolutely lost they looked the first couple of weeks with the entire unit. Then the secondary guys go down. It's easy to pick on them, but this defense is driven by the defensive line. So they're, you know, they've been getting pressures, but they're not getting to the quarterback. There's been some improvements, but they're not getting there. You hope that the coverage, the improvement in coverage allows for a little bit more of that, gives them that extra split second to get to the quarterback. Um, so I think you can expect them to be better, but I just don't want anyone to go in there because on paper, we said this defense is going to be better, but without those horses on the defensive line, I don't think it'll ever be good. And that's the thing where if the offense can keep putting up those 30 plus points, you can get by with an okay defense, but it, I don't think that there's going to be any point this year, unless the defensive line really turns it on, you know, Dexter's been getting a lot better. So seeing, you know, if he can make, uh, make some more moves, add some additional pressure. Um, But uh, you know, that's a lot to put on a rookie who is still kind of learning the position as he goes uh, to sit there and say, you're going to be one of the guys that that's going to make this defense go. So I think it'll look a lot more clean. I think it'll look a lot less, uh, you know, when we're watching and it's third and 17 and we're like, come on, let's go. We got this. And then they throw the ball 20 yards and there's nobody in the vicinity of the receiver. I don't think there will be as much of that, but I still think it's going to be a very frustrating defense to watch because of that time element that the defensive line isn't really giving the rest of the defensive players. But I'm super excited to see, you know, Edwards, Edmonds, and then the, the back four, because that's what we were talking about. Those are, you know, Six ball hawks, six guys who like to hit, six dudes who can get out there and get after it. But uh, again, the, it doesn't really matter if Granny's still driving the car and you're going under the speed limit. Yeah, Tony, kind of to the same point. Like when myself and Nell were talking about what we wanted to see from the offense last week, we were talking about like the DJ Moores and all that. What do you want to see from the defense moving forward? Because, like, it, again, it's this whole idea of like the baseline performance from this team. You can't go in the first half where it seems like guys on the defensive line, at least in the run game, were swarming to the football. And then suddenly it was like, once they came back after halftime, it was like a more conservative approach where you didn't see that really happening. Like you were seeing like Demarcus Walker, you were seeing Yannick Ngakwe constantly in first quarter, second quarter, getting after the football. 
and while they weren't finishing, they were getting pressure. But then it just seemed like as if everybody took a step back in that third quarter and allowed the commanders in. Now, if the Bears are able to get into some lead against the Vikings, they do have an offense that can get them back in games. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. They might not have Justin Jefferson, but there are playmakers there. So what is it that you want to see from the defense moving forward where you will feel a little bit more confident to where we can at least get an expectation that it might be a middle-of-the-road defense rather than a bottom five? Yeah, I think a lot of it's to do with the scheme, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we, we know that they only usually like to to, to rush four, um, and that in itself can be beneficial in the fact that you've got seven guys dropping back in a coverage. Um, and I think that, you know, it's it's almost like, and, and you know, Adam, I think you said it, you know, that there were some of the guys, especially the linebackers, didn't really play much in the preseason, didn't play much with the, with the team outside of practice. And I think that there's a bit of the defense still getting used to playing with each other and playing in this particular system. I think the change of play caller has helped slightly. Um, and I, I think even just that change there in general, though, has been something that's maybe rocked the boat a wee bit in a good and a bad way. There's obviously been stuff going on in the background there with Alan Williams. And I don't know if that had enough. I, I mean, we don't know what the issue was or what happened. Did that have an effect on the players that were playing in that that defensive unit? I don't know. Um, but I think what we we saw on Thursday was that Flus obviously ran a lot more blitzes than we've seen all year. Um, and the interesting thing is that as Chicago Bears fans, we're so used to seeing stubborn coaches, um, usually on the other side of the ball, who will just continue to do the same thing over and over again in the hope that it works. Whereas I like the fact that Flus went, you know what? We do need to blitz more because the four guys up front are not getting there all the time. Um, and even just bringing that blitz or the threat of it made the team, made the offense think otherwise. And I think that then led to, to maybe when you were only rushing for, um, you know, their, their offensive players getting confused about what was happening. You know, you've got safeties coming up to the line of scrimmage and going back into the coverage. Um, whereas before you would think, oh, they're definitely just going to be in coverage. They're only rushing for. And on Thursday, it was like, well, actually, we've seen that they've already blitzed a couple of times, so we need to watch that guy. It's sort of giving them more more things to think about. Um, and I think maybe it, it could be Fluss going, well, you know what? At the moment, we're trying to have these seven guys in coverage, but it's not working just yet, you know? And I think a big part of that is, you know, Kieran, you said it, we're missing a lot of guys in the secondary. We're missing one of the starting corners or starting slot corner or starting um safe uh, free safety as well and you know to be fair the guys that came in last week were they did an admirable job um but you'd expect that when you get your starters back that you're going to see a lot a lot of improvement in terms of the coverage in the secondary i think the guy whoever it was that was commentating on the game on thursday as well said it you know and the type of defense that they're running is that they're happy to give the ball up, you know, five yards, six yards every now and again. They're just trying to stop the big um, sort of plays. And to be fair, for the most part, they actually did. You know, the the the, the, off, the offense did march down the field a couple of times, but there were not any huge 
plays given up like we've seen before. You know, they 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 managed to contain that relatively well. Um, so I think we're seeing the sort of growth of the defense. They've tried to do what he wanted to do, and he's realized, you know what, it's not quite there yet. So let's bring the blitz package now. Let's try and swap things out and confuse people. So I would like to just see more of that. I would like to see more of, you know, I've realized that something's not working and I'm going to change it. I think we've maybe seen that on both sides of the ball over the last two weeks. And it's encouraging that we, we're only in week five and we, ha- we aren't having to wait until week 15 and going, well, I'll give it a go for the next two weeks before the season finishes. And we'll see. You know, he's saying, you know what? We know where we are just now. We know that we're still sort of building this team to where we want to be. Um, and we're willing to make changes earlier on. Um, I think it's interesting that he's decided he wants to bring in a defensive assistant, uh, a senior analyst. Um, again, I don't think that necessarily hurts anything. I think with, with Eberflus being a head coach, you want to be able to say to someone, right, can you please go and scout these guys for me next week? So, you know, I'm having to do this shit. Then I'll come and meet you and we'll look at it together after you've done the... You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that's that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. I think he's. I think he seems to be a guy. Because you know what, this isn't working. I'm going to change it. I need help with this. I'm going to ask someone. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and, and I feel like for a first time head coach, well, obviously in his second year now, that's a good sign as well. You know, um, and I've been very If you don't adapt, you die, guys. Over the first few weeks. Well, yeah, yeah, and it, but it's encouraging to see that they are adapting, though. Yeah, that's the thing you know, and it's, it's great. no, it's great. I, I agree um, with you wholeheartedly so yeah, on for that. For me, I, I just want, to, yeah, I just want to see more of that. I want to see more of admitting something doesn't work. We've seen it with the GM. You know, it didn't work when we traded for Chase Claypool. Let him go. Do you know what I mean it's done? Like, don't live in the past. Don't let it define you. If you can change things and 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 try different things, do it. So, yeah. I'm I'm curious to see how that sort of develops, and I'm curious to see if we continue to to bring blitz packages more often than not, and if that becomes a thing. But actually, one more thing I will say on the defense, and I'll let someone else speak is I I would love to see more of the two rookie defensive tackles because I think bringing those guys into the game um, just it just brings a sort of youthful exuberance, um, and and you know they're really desperate to make an impact and. You know, guys like Jervon Dexter have have absolutely made that impact for me when they've been given the opportunity. And I would love to see more of those guys um, get a shot, especially on the defensive line. Yeah, exactly. And look, one of the things that uh, when we look at the defense, like you talk about, they were able to blitz a little bit more. They like to only kind of bring four and they're at the end of the day, if they don't mind giving up a couple of and then four or five yard passes here or there. I think a part of that is that's what's on tape right now. And when you do get some of those guys back is do bait a team into thinking that they have that option open and maybe in a player to be aggressive. So then maybe it forced them into a mistake. And again, that's something that we want to be able to see. And look, as we look ahead to this game on Sunday, one of the things know that, Tony mentioned obviously it was a it came from Iberflus today that said that he would be that the Bears are looking for a whatever he said like a senior analyst I don't know what the hell that means because 
that doesn't seem like it's a norm. It's a typical kind of coach on the defense. But again, it's it's kind of hard to know kind of what that's going to pertain to. Like, is that just a guy that they're going to give someone a chance just to be part of the staff? Or is it someone that has the experience that can help out? That it doesn't so much, like, Iberflux can call plays for the rest of the year. But when I we've kind of said this over the last couple of weeks, it's if he's the head coach, but then also having to act fully as a defensive coordinator, he's more of just being with the defense the entire time rather than being the head coach. Because if you don't have a DC, you need somebody to be able to go through in those meetings. They have meetings at the same time with different position groups, with the defense, with the offense. And really as a head coach, you'd want to be in many of those meetings, not just on the defensive side, but I would imagine right now he's pretty much pulled to one side of this team. So I guess moving forward to looking at Minnesota and maybe a little bit beyond in terms of this, what do you want to see in terms of whoever they bring in and as it pertains to possibly this week against Minnesota, if somebody comes in rather quickly, um, do you want to just see it where it's, a guy that is a kind of veteran coach that isn't working right now, that they just know if they can help, that even if it's somebody that is, like Tony said, helping with the scouting of whatever team they come up, up against, that they have that experience where they don't really need to be indoctrinated too much into what Eberflus does because they're smart guys. Like I, I saw people put around ideas like Leslie Frazier. Right, for example, who's not coaching right now? That took it, he was taking a year off, but he is available out there. Has come from a similar system, does have that background in Chicago. I see we spoke about Lovey Smith last week, where he's not working right now. That again has been in Chicago, and if he's happy enough to be part of a staff for the year just to help out as the Bears are in desperate need, or do you want to see it? to be some kind of younger guy that isn't that maybe has been like a quality control coach before but is trying to get that rise up because look at the end of the day we want to see over the course of the next couple of weeks Bears win football games and if we keep being stretched thin in terms of coaches at some point it will make an impact it might not make it in the short term but as you go through an entire season there's going to be times where Eberflus is going to be needed elsewhere and can't just be focused solely on the defense 24-7, that he will need to be a head coach. So what do you want to see the Bears do with this situation? Do you want to see it be a veteran guy or do you want to see them kind of give an opportunity to somebody that kind of hasn't had the opportunity yet? No, for me, I think it's it's – it's got to be a veteran guy. I mean, you're talking about being stretched in there. And I think, as you mentioned, Iberflus is kind of being stretched in now, obviously being the, the DC now taking over. And when he came in, he, he wanted to be that CEO head coach who, you know, kind of oversaw everything and had the guys there handling each their own departments. But things just happened the way they did. I don't see him giving up the play calling anytime soon. So for me, I think what you're looking to do is bring in someone obviously who knows this defense and scheme that he's running, someone who has experience, who obviously the the defense can look up to as well and someone they'll respect because this defense does still have problems and you want to get someone in there who has the experience, someone who Eberflus can bounce things off, you know, they, he can talk through and 
have somebody then there to, to give them counter opinions and maybe work with them. And, and you want someone with experience for that because I don't think we're in a position to have an inexperienced guy come in. And then someone to just take the defense, as you say, when maybe Iberflus needs to head over with the offensive guys or do something else. He's not then structured or committed to have to be at that defensive meeting. He can have someone there he trusts, who he knows is experienced, who can deal with these players, who knows what he wants and can kind of put that across. And then it just frees him up then to do what he kind of wanted to do when he came in is kind of oversee everything. Uh, so for me, I, it doesn't make sense for someone who doesn't have experience to come in there. I, I don't know what they'll be doing. You, you, we don't want anybody learning on the job or, you know, good luck to them for their next job, whatever, but we don't want to be training them when we need to get this defense picked up and, and get it going. So I think that's the way it'll be. And hopefully it'll, it'll make some sort of impact because, we saw some good signs there, you know, on Thursday night, but I'm still really, really worried about this defense because Tony talked about it a lot. If you're not getting pressure up front, everything else will suffer, you know? So I think they need someone to come in that can kind of work with Iberflus and, and do what needs to be done. But look, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out because as I say, I don't see him giving up play calling. It kind of feels like now the pressure got so much, he's kind of thinking... You know, if, if if I'm going down, I'm going down calling this defense, but he still needs somebody in there with him that can, can give him a dig out and, and kind of free him up for other things that he, he clearly has to do. Yeah, and look, uh, as, a, as a look ahead to the current game against the Minnesota Vikings, obviously getting the guys come back healthy is important. If they can get somebody in, whether it be, I don't really care, like if it's, Someone like Leslie Frazier, someone like, it would be great, right? A guy that clearly a lot of the fan base knows is a good defensive line. But even if it's someone that like can help out, like you just need you do need that because let's just say it's somebody that even if it was a, a former bear that's starting their coaching career, even if it means that one of the position coaches can then do some other tasks, it does help to have more people there. As, as Dave said here, Iberflus basically mentioned that they're looking for an experienced coach, but they would also promote internally. So it could be an experienced guy takes up one role, which allows somebody else to do more. Like the, the real issue is just the lack of bodies, really, and the defensive staff right now, just because not having a DC. But yeah, I, I think at this point, there's no reason for anybody else to call plays. Like Iberflus knows this defense. You don't want somebody else doing it. I think it's just more to help out the day-to-day -day running of the defenses. It would be an important element. But with that look ahead to the game on Sunday, because a lot of people are excited about it, Adam, and as we kind of mentioned when we were just before we came on, for as bad as people have said that the Bears are, they are not the worst team right now in this division. That is the team that the Bears will be playing against at, at the weekend where you look at even what Minnesota have done. We kind of, a lot of people said that this is a possibility, that if you were going to say one team that would fall back the most in this division, it'd be Minnesota because of the amount of one-score victories that they got last year and they seem to win all those games. And it looks like this year it's been the opposite, that in some of those close games, they just haven't had enough to get over the line and win. But then when you look at the Bears and over the last couple of weeks, it's when you look at what they've done on offense, I think I was reading a stat earlier that they ranked 13th in points scored per game. 
14th in total yards, 11th in yards per play. Um, I think it's like 14th or 15th in third down conversion. So the offense that's been middle of the pack, you're coming up against the defense in Minnesota that haven't been that great. They're kind of aging at certain areas where you can look at this team offensively and they'll be able, there's going to be plays out there where they can continue what they've done over the last couple of weeks. But if Justin Jefferson is out, that's a massive miss for the Minnesota Vikings to where if the Bears are able to continue what we saw on Thursday and win that game, if you go into next week, if you go into after Sunday and you're two and four heading into a Raiders game and we just saw where maybe they should have done a little bit better against the Broncos. Maybe that the overall outlook of this team isn't quite as bad as we thought after week three against the Chiefs, where they have some winnable games coming up. And if they are competing, which we didn't see in the first couple of weeks, I think not only for Bears fans, they might feel a little bit better about the outlook of, of this season, but also maybe they might get a little bit more respect from other people as well in terms of, not classing them as one of the worst teams in this league, that they are kind of this developing team that we're at least what we were saying earlier, if on offense, we can enjoy watching the team kind of like last year where it seemed like halfway through the season, the offense was scoring, but the defense was letting up a bit. How do you kind of look at that going into this week where you're not coming up against a first place in the division, Minnesota Vikings. You're coming up against a struggling team. And if the Bears really want to kind of take that next step, this is when you need to start winning games in the division. And if you can win those games against the Vikings, at least that's the first stepping stone and starting to compete within an NFC, in an NFC North over the next couple of years where you kind of want to be up there. You don't want to be that kind of constantly getting kicked down by everybody in the division this is a chance to kind of lay down one marker to where you can say right now we're better than the minnesota vikings yeah i mean it's crazy how quickly we go from fire everybody to we could almost be 500 after this next stretch of games um same thing for them it's it's crazy how quickly they went i mean look at all the high level to elite talent they have on that offense and they just can't seem to put it together. And I know there's that's kind of the curse in football where you see these teams with these elite offenses and the defense that couldn't catch a cold. And then you've got these, you know, great defenses where the offense can't score, like most of the Bears teams in my lifetime. Um, but you know, going into this game, you 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 talk about already, even with Justin Jefferson, you don't hate it because of the way that all these other teams have been able to compete with them. But then once you lose that, talk about a momentum swing when you really you know, a rookie wide receiver, KJ Osborne and TJ Hawkinson and Hawkinson's probably going to feast all day. But again, you talk about the coverage with the, the, the secondary, you've got four healthy guys in your secondary. Then you've got your linebackers who have all been playing together that, you know, you realistically, if you don't have to worry about Justin Jefferson, you might be able to shut him down. And that's where we talk about the defense being able to do enough to let the offense go. And Justin Fields two weeks in a row has, has cooked against bad defenses even though I still, you know, the, the numbers for Washington aren't great, but you look at that front four, that is a good front four. That is a, a high level front four, regardless of the rest of the talent around them. And as Bears fans, we know that sometimes you can have one elite position group and it can be totally ruined by everything else. So, you know, you look at that front four and and they handled it. The offensive line handled it. 
you're going in against another suspect defense. This should be one where, again, they just go pedal to the metal and cook and keep on going and don't stop. And where we've talked about late in the games where they've started to seed some of these leads, you hope that that veteran leadership, the, the veterans coming back and playing again as that starting unit, which we have not seen practice together, play together, what as a whole, that should be a fun game. It should be a fun game. But again, that's all with the caveat of the Bears keep moving forward because every time we take two steps forward, it feels like sometimes we, we hit that point where we hit, take three steps back and the offense looks great and then something happens or the defense figures it out and then someone gets hurt. And it, it never seems to work. But we're in a, a point now where the offense is working and the defense is getting the starters back that kind of made it, okay, we knew they weren't going to be good but they were really bad. And they, it, practice squad players, guys you've never heard of, Joe Juan Johnson, I, I fired up Madden the other day. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I didn't even realize. <laughs> I look at the box score, he's got a tackle. So, you, you know, guys like that who are coming in, but then you've got your Greg Strowmans who are coming in and making a name for themselves as a reliable option if these guys get hurt. So seeing those guys excel is always fun, but seeing that you're going to have, you know, Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, who we were talking about blitzing earlier, that's probably your best blitzing cornerback. And he's going to yeah. come in there and be able to do that and and dance ninja his way through the defensive line and potentially add some extra pressure. So, you know, that should make it fun against that offense because even without Jefferson, it's a worrisome offense. Yeah. Say what you want about Kirk Cousins. He can put up the points. He'll make stupid mistakes. He'll do whatever. He can put up the points. Addison's a, a, a very athletic player. And again, Hawkinson is Hawkinson, but you don't worry too much about the run game and, and that's going to allow them to key on one thing. You know, you talk about the unimportance of uh, running backs in football and kind of how that's getting faded out of it's not a must have. It's not a whatever. Look at how much different this offense looks with Madison versus Cook and and just the difference in efficiency of touches and everything else. And, you know, that separation of when they're trying to pass and do certain things, um, they teams just know they just know that there's no threat with the run game. So I'm excited to watch it. It should be fun. We should be able to shut them down. Uh, hopefully defensively with everyone back. But offensively, I'm really excited to see what they do moving forward because, again, it's another suspect defense. Yeah, and Tony, to kind of go off there where we're going to kind of talk about what are our expectations. Do we think that the Bears can win this weekend? But one point that Adam made in terms of the running back on the Minnesota side of things is a bit of a kind of an influx at running back for the Bears now where – Roshan's probably going to be out because of the concussion this week anyway. Obviously, Khalil Herbert's going to be out for probably a good while here. They bring, they've brought in, well, they've, they're going to activate Dante Foreman, so hopefully that he's ready to go. But uh, again, bringing in kind of a familiar face and Darrington Evans to get that extra body in there before maybe if Roshan passes his um, concussion protocol, we get him back the following week. But with all that in flux and everything kind of we've spoken about today, both offensively and defensively, what are your expectations going into this game against the Minnesota Vikings? Or are you kind of, let's say, quietly optimistic of uh, this game coming up? Because I think it's one that if we spoke about maybe two or three weeks ago, we're probably all sitting here in a completely different scenario where, like, even though the Vikings aren't very good, as Adam said, offensively they can put up the points and like before the Denver Broncos game and the commanders game, we didn't see that from the offense, but fast forward those two weeks, even though there's a little bit of question marks over the running game with the offensive line improving and getting healthier, 
with the offense as a whole kind of performing better. What's your expectation going into this Sunday? Yeah, um, it, to be honest with you, a lot of it stems from, from that running back position, my, my thoughts on it, because, you know, there's a lot of unknowns in terms of what production we're going to get. Uh, Dante Foreman, obviously, last year ran for nearly a 1,000 yards. So you look at that and you think, why is he not being playing? Why is he not included in this team at all? Why is he a healthy scratch every week? Um, you know, is, is there something they're not seeing? So it kind of it does make me worry a little bit about the running game. Um, I worry about it's becoming a bit too one-dimensional. Um, and maybe I worry about us kind of leaning on Justin Fields to, to run it more. Um, and I know he can run and he's a great runner, but I'd rather he didn't run as often if we didn't need to. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a curious one because like let's let's not beat around the bush. Yeah, the Vikings are bad, but we're bad as well. I mean, there's a reason why mm-hmm. we're both four. Um, and you know, when two bad teams get together, one you, know, <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen sometimes. And you look at that Denver Broncos game, two bad game teams get together again, and you know, we were relatively confident that we would, you know, they just lost 70 points last week and you know, and all this kind of stuff. So it's really hard to be honest with you at week six of these in the season to be able to look at it and go, I know what's going to happen, especially because they've got so many players out injured and and all that kind of thing. For me, I think if the offensive line holds up well and and performs at a level that they did on Thursday, we'll 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 look a lot better. If Justin Fields continues to get the ball out of his hands quickly, and the game plan's good. And and the and the routes that are run and the the calls that are made all come together really well. And that's the thing with teams like the Bears is you need everything to come together very well for us to be successful. Um, if one or two things are off, then you know it's probably not going to work right now. Um, so for me, I wouldn't say I'm quietly confident or or optimistic at all. Um, I'm still in that camp where I need to see it consistently to get it to, to be optimistic about things with the Bears. Um I would love to say that I think they're going to go out and they're going to they're going to play well on offense. We're going to score 30 odd points, 40 points again. And then we're just going to hope that the defense hangs on as much as we can as we've seen the sort of last couple of weeks. Um but I, I just I just don't know. I really don't know how to call. I mean I feel like it's week one again and we're coming back into the season and I don't know what to expect from any of the players because it has been so up and down. There's no real consistency yet. Fair enough, you have the last two games. But outside of that, there's been nothing. So I, I don't know how to call it. I really don't know how to call it. I'm struggling. Um, I think they've we're, we're at home, aren't we? Yeah. 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 Yes. I think I think that's a big, big part of it. I think if we were away, I would feel worse and I'd I, I would lean more towards a, a Vikings win. But we're at home. We haven't won at home for a long time. Um I think now that we've broke the the losing streak, we need to break the losing streak at home. And I think this week that'll be getting hammered into the players' heads. I think this will really show what the coaches are able to do to motivate players now that they've got a win. Can you keep it going? Um, And as Adam says, all of a sudden we've gone from fire everybody to this coaching staff can maybe get people going. Maybe this could work out for the the best. Um, So, yeah, I just... To be honest with you, 
as long as I score one more point on the other team, I really don't care. Like I just you just want to get that win. But to be honest, most importantly, I just want to see a competent, good display. This is a this is a this is a um, NFC North game, and we've been embarrassing in the NFC North for a few years now. I want us to not be embarrassing. I want us to go out there and make a good account of ourselves. And because we're at home, I want to win. Moose Juice is kicking in for me right now, and I'm rambling all over the place to be honest with you. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let someone else take over. Uh, no, I guess last point here before we finish up today. But what do you think it takes in in this particular game for? Like Tony said, I think a lot of Bears fans are in the same situation where they like what they saw against the Commanders, but still it's kind of like a wait and see how they're going to perform. What do you think that the Bears can do this week against the Vikings to where people will start believing in in this team again to at least we know what to expect, right? Like we say, it's kind of been a week-to-week thing for, for the Bears thus far. But when you look at this game coming up, we've mentioned some of the good points of the Vikings. We've mentioned some of the points of where they're struggling, some of the, of the key injuries for this game, the key guys coming back. What do you think the Bears need to do against the Vikings? Again, like Tony said, at home to try and finally get a win at home, but to try and finally get a win in the division because it's been a long time since that's happened as well. And really for any coach, that's just not good enough. You need to start winning games within your division. What do you think that the Bears need to do in order to give fans that confidence that they have kind of turned the corner here to where, like Adam said about 10 or so minutes ago, that it's not beyond the realms of possibility that if they do win against the Vikings, you're not too far away from battling back to being a 500 team versus a team that just a week or so ago, people were saying this could be the worst team in the NFL. We need to see consistency. We, we've seen the last two weeks that offense kind of pick up and, and get better and, you know, make some plays and that can't stop. That needs to go and continue into this weekend. We need to see the O-line continue to to kind of get its feet on, you know, going and, and kind of come together and see how Tevin Jenkins is. He'll probably play a few more snaps this weekend. So you kind of want to see him push on as well. So from, from offensively, I just want to see the O-line continue. Uh, it was great getting DJ more, keep trying to get him involved, but I'd like to see Mooney get a few more now as well. I know he was targeted two, three times. He wasn't able to bring them in, but I'd like to see them maybe spread that ball around a bit more. I think we had three players who made catches on tours tonight, which is fine when DJ Moore is doing what he done and, and going off for 230 yards. But I, I'd like to see at least Arnell Mooney being brought in, maybe just a, a little bit more in the game. Uh, if you look at the defense, <clears throat> Tony mentioned it earlier, they were, they were blitzing a lot more. They were trying to do a few new things. They need to do that because they just don't have the horses up front for those four guys to get through. We, we just know that's not the case. They don't have it. You know, Dexter is getting better, but still, they are what they are up there for now. So they need to kind of do something different and, and blitzing, you know, seem to make a bit of a difference there at the weekend. At the back then, I mean, Jordan Addison looked like he, he's being a fairly decent player. So it, it's going to be good to have a lot of DBs back in there. You, you know, we'll have um, Carla Gordon. I think Strowman did, had a good good game there at nickel, but it'll be nice to see Gordon back in there. Uh, Jalen Johnson back out there again. Uh, Terrell Smith I was impressed with. I don't know if he may start getting a few more snaps. Uh, 
look, Stevenson is obviously a good player. He, he's found it tough at certain times. He's he's done things good. He's done things kind of bad. He's a rookie. That's fine. Smith hasn't had as much playing time. So maybe if you got more playing time, you might see that little bit of inconsistency. But in what he has done, he's done really well. I'd like to see him maybe get a bit of a, a run out of a few snaps and, and see what he can do. Look, overall, in terms of this Vikings game, offense just needs to continue what they've done the last two weeks, continues to show us that it's it's not an aberration. You know, it's not a one or two week kind of thing that's going to disappear, that it is the start of some consistent offensive play. Uh, Justin Fields needs to get that protection. And then the defense, defense just needs to step it up in, in, overall. I mean... I'm still not sold. I'm, I'm sure nobody is, but I'm still not sold on this defense. It still worries me. I think we're probably going forward. If we do win a few games, they probably will be high-scoring games, which would be great to watch. But I would like that defense just to follow the offense and start to maybe turn that corner and show us that, okay, maybe it's taken a few weeks to get going, but we do need to start to see improvement from that defense. Because, look, at the end of the day, we brought in a head coach who's a defensive guy and he's the one calling the plays and you know he's going to be expected to to start getting results so but yeah i think this weekend i think is winnable it can go either way i think tony mentioned it until you actually see them in a few games you find it very hard to actually back them with any sort of confidence but i, I do think they can win this weekend if they continue doing what they've done the last couple of weeks you know the vikings and ourselves are where we are for a, re- for a good reason. But it, these are the kind of games that if they really, if this coaching staff want to stay and they want to continue developing this team, these are the games you have to be winning. A divisional game against a team of the same record as you, it has its own problems. And these are the ones you want to be putting away, especially at home. And as Tony said, come on, let's not lose at home again. It's, it's God knows, what was the last game we won at home? It wasn't the first game last season, was it? Was it the Texans game? We beat the Texans at home, did we? Okay, that, I that's... can't. I, I think that was at home, but I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but it's one, one... You, need to, you really need to think know, about it. It's crazy. <laughs> well, talk talking about being consistent. There's a, a very good stat here that I saw on Twitter from the Windy City Productions about a couple of hours ago that the Bears haven't won back to back games in over 600 days. Um. Does anybody want to hazard a guess on who the two quarterbacks were the last time the Bears won back-to-back games? Andy Dalton? Yeah. And Foles? Yeah, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles were the back-to-back quarterbacks that the last time the the Bears won back-to-back games. So that's something, again, you want to build on performance. While it's not one of those where we go into this being like the Bears should – they should win or they should have this like really good chance. You have to be competitive within your division. The Minnesota Vikings and the Bears are both there at one and four. So you should be able to at least be in with a chance to win this football game towards the end of that game. And I think that's what Bears fans want to see, to have trust in the team again. They haven't had that for a very long time because anytime People have started to believe in this team, as like we said prior to week one, they've let us down. You're going to have fans that are going to believe in this team after the performance on Thursday. It's now up to those players and those coaches to not let the fans down again. Even if it's even if you don't end up winning the game, to put in a performance where you have that chance to win. I think that's really, really important because 
especially within the division, that's not been the case in any of these games, whether it be against the Detroit Lions, the Minnesota Vikings, or the Green Bay Packers, it's time to start turning that around. If Eberflus and this coaching staff want people to believe in them again, I think a good start would be to win a game in this division because they haven't been able to do that up to now. So I think that's going to be a big key this weekend that start to build the confidence, not only within the team, but the fan base to where, like you said, no, can the defense start to turn it around a bit like we saw with the offense? And if that works, then you start to get what we were talking about with the offense, complementary football. I think that's the most important thing that this team can do. But look, it is going to be really interesting as we move along this week. Hopefully more positive news comes out in terms of players coming back, players being healthy, maybe a, a coach coming in here and kind of be a little bit more positive as we get towards Sunday where people are going to start, I guess, drinking um, the floose juice, Tony. Where <laughs> where everybody yeah, starts to start on, to yeah, this could absolutely. be a thing. This could be a thing. Yeah. If they, if they want to listen to the show, yeah, absolutely. You just need to change one little thing about that can't just change it to flus juice. Uh, the slogan go. for flus juice is it good beer? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an adaptable beer. That's what he'll say. Well, look, it has been good being able to talk about this today. Again, being able to look at some of the good things that we saw last Thursday and hope that we can build on that this Sunday. So then when we talk next week about the Bears, we're talking about a team that has been then relatively consistent over a three-game period. And can they then move on and continue that? So, look, guys, we appreciate you all in the comments. If you're listening to this back, whether it be on YouTube or whether it be on Spotify, um, if it's on YouTube, please do like the video and please do subscribe. If it is on Spotify, please give us a five-star review. Um, and until next time, all we can say is bear down. Mischief. Bear down.